my platform is about balance. It, I, I don't want it to be black or white. You know, I, I want to work across, um, reach across the aisle and whatever aisle that is and be like, how do we do this together? everyone, and welcome to Meet Your Candidate with Sedona Red Rock News. I'm your host, Carol Kahn, and joining me now is the lovely Samira Armstrong. It's so nice to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity to uh, share a little bit about myself with the community. Yeah, I think it's really important, really, to get to know the candidate and also, just to get to, you, to know you personally. So I'm really excited about this. I, I do appreciate that. Actually, I was at the um, Walgreens yesterday and someone said, do you know Samira, she's running for mayor? And the guy said, yeah, I know everything about her. We've never talked. He's never showed up to any of my events. You know, and so it's, it's really a shame that people, you know, think they have a perception of you. But really, when you get the opportunity to come and chat, that gives a whole new uh, um, perspective on, you know, the personality. It's not just the stories that are getting passed around, which there are quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> there's always that, though, yeah. right? No matter where you are, there's always yes. people have certain perceptions of how are you going to be, how you're yeah. acting, yeah. whatever it is. It's yeah. People are going to have that kind of perception. Yeah, as it turns out, um, uh, it's been revealed strongly in the last two years that narrative is oftentimes more um, prevalent than I information that's based in truth necessarily. It's the narrative that the community hears or the, the nation hears or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's important that we get into the nitty gritty and the details of what's going on rather than just falling. And I, I fall victim of that myself. You know, you hear a story and you believe it's fact and you know you operate on that behalf, but that's, that's just not the way things are naturally. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's human nature because, you know, first of all, you have been an actress mm -hmm. and um, and now you're running for mayor. Yeah. And, you know, it's people's perceptions. They can look at a photograph and then they determine, yes. oh, like, look yeah. at that photograph or yeah. they see you out and then they determine how you are or how, you know, how you're interacting with people and that kind of thing. And then yes. people cause it causes judgment. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we and we can't help but do that. Right. That's sort of a characterization uh uh, that we have in a human trait is just, oh, this belongs here. This means this. It's we we compartmentalize and put things in categories. Um, but yeah, in a small community of 9,700 or so people, like we really have the opportunity to get to know each other very well. So th this is a wonderful opportunity to do that. Great. Well, let's start. You were you've been in Sedona for quite some time. You were born here. Oh, so I wasn't, I mean, you weren't born, here. I wasn't yes. born here. I was actually born in Japan, but um, my family moved here, much like the story you shared with me um, in a, a matter of fate. My father and I, we were on a road trip in 1993. Uh, he always wanted to live here. We, I had never seen the West. And so he took me out uh, on a road trip of the West and we were looking for a new uh, location to live because of education pur purposes. Um, at the time I was living, we were living in Hawaii and education wasn't great out there. And this brand new high school was being built here. So it was very fortuitous timing. Um, that was, we ended up moving in 1994. So my family's been a part of the community for 28 years. Oh, wow. And do you have any siblings? I do, I have a brother who also grew up here, mm -hmm. yeah. And where yeah. is he now? I actually sometimes like, oh, the, oh, he's your brother. Yeah, I actually might vote for you now. He's just a great, a great guy. You know, he's in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska now. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, and you went to school here. You went to high school. So you did yes. go to high school here. Yes, I went to high school. My my class was the first four year graduating class. So there was a class before me. They graduated with three years at that school, um, and uh, unfortunately, the you know the nature of how Sedona is, there aren't exactly a, a lot of opportunities for youth and budding um, individuals. And so uh, many of us uh, end up leaving, right? And then and then returning at some point when we have our own families. Um, but that, that was my experience. I had, oh, it was such a wonderful high school experience in that um, the community attempted to offer us everything they could possibly muster. You know, we had great coaches. We had great, I mean, we are a nuclear scientist and, and rocket scientist teachers and um, and this beautiful theater program that I like uh, sharpened my teeth in and uh, was so enriched by um, and built such confidence in who I was as an individual from this educational process. It really was a springboard into my into my adulthood um, and and from there went to Hollywood. I actually went to U of A for a year uh, down in Tucson and realized, well, why am I going to school to do theater when I've always done theater? I think it's time to just see if I can make it out there. How is that transition for you? Because coming from a small town like yeah. Sedona, yeah. which is probably smaller even then, right? Yes. And, you know, now all of a sudden you're moving from here to Hollywood. Yeah. So how is that transition for you? You know, it definitely was a culture shock. I didn't know anybody out there. I had an aunt and uncle and a couple cousins. And aside from that, I, I was sort of thrown into the wolves, so to speak. But I had been, you know, I, I'd lived in Japan for a total of five years in Tokyo and Kyoto. So I was very familiar with cities in that regard. Um, but just the nature of which my parents raised me was always a can-do attitude, you know, go anywhere, do anything, be anything. So I, I felt confident in that way. Um, but it was dark and depressing for quite a while. You know, you just have this dream and you're just holding on for dear life that you'll see success in that way. Um, and then I sort of looked at it like, well, you know, you go to college for four years and you get a degree. My family sort of helped in that regard as well. Um, so I, I gave myself four years to quote unquote, make it. And, um, you know, at the end of the four years would hopefully graduate to some sort of higher level of success. And that's exactly what happened. But I think more than anything, I was just naive, which is ultimately sort of a, a bedrock cornerstone of my um, personality, just naive, ballsy, go for it. You know, this, I'm going to make it happen, which probably uh, equates a lot to my run in for mayor in Sedona. <laughs> Too. But that's what you need. I, I think, think you so. actually need that kind yeah. of well, attitude. Gosh, if you if you if you knew how terrible it was, would you really pursue it? Right? <laughs> well, I'll get to that later. I'll ask you that in a minute. Yeah. I really want to go back to so yeah. how long did it actually take you in Hollywood to start getting yeah. the roles that you needed? Was it pretty quick or um, did it take some time? No, it took it took time. It took it took time. I was I was I mean I moved out there as 18, turned 19. By the time I was I did jobs here and there by the time I was 23 I, I hit it big mm -hmm. yeah and then where was that time in in your life where you decided okay enough's enough I'm sort of done here oh wow that's really been the last um so after I had my son in 2012 obviously things start to change in perspectives and desires and purpose 
and also the industry itself changed drastically. Um, it was around that time when I started looking at property in Yarnell <laughs> and uh, all over Arizona thinking maybe I should be coming back soon. And also things have gotten far more remote, as you know, um, in terms of uh, being able to audition for things. You don't need to go in person. You can do it on video. And um, so I started contemplating that probably strongly around 2016. And then the world changed and sort of was like, hey, do you want to make the shift now in 2020 or so? Yeah. Talk to me a minute about Hollywood, because there is definitely this um, attitude that you have to have, right? And then this little bubble that you actually live in yes. while you're there. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about the bubble is you have no idea you're in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you, Yeah, you're very naive to the rest of the world experiences unless you're out in that other uh other states, other parts of the world experiencing it outside of work. But the thing about Hollywood is you're on a schedule at all times. It's probably one of the easiest jobs you can have at, once you get the job, that is. Because that's the real struggle is, is, is getting the job, right? Um, but I think, too, I learned so much in terms of developing a, a, my character, allowing no not to be a... Um, like heart stabbing experience because you end up hearing it so often and we you know we were talking about manifesting and whatnot it's this can-do attitude um letting things roll off your back as you know the sifting and sorting process of what is right for me what isn't right for me in terms of roles um and then being of service and showing up and being professional you know and so i learned so much through the 20 years that i was out there in negotiating deals with human beings and different personalities and um how to how to present myself in a way that was respectable which you know was a journey <laughs> there was a time i was dancing on tables and you know and then, then there's a time that i would have been appalled to see such a thing so it's an evolution as you go through a human experience but particularly out there it's a it's an interesting thing and it was hard for me in that i never wanted to be quote unquote famous but um i was more interested in the characters but characters you don't get the characters unless you're on a list that requires you to be somewhat of notoriety you know so it was it was a challenging balance sort of like playing the game was the most difficult part of what I I had to do where was that turning point for you where you thought like okay like I I sort of made it like now or did you ever feel like yeah yeah well the turning point and and it's sad because the turning point was probably at 23 24 25 and then it was all downhill from there I'm just kidding um but no that was the turning point I remember I was on a show the the called the OC and following that a show called Entourage and that was the pivotal time in film and television when uh, it was worldwide suddenly, uh, simultaneously, because before that, you know, the, uh, other nations would be years behind and they'd buy it out and they'd be watching, you know, episodes from two years prior. But during the OC, it was global. And so that was an, a wild experience. And and the strange part is, you, you know, from day to day, the day prior I got the, that that I the day prior to the day I got the job, nothing in my life had changed. I, I hadn't like been extra good that day as an actress. You know, it's just it was just that right moment, right time sort of thing. And that and that can be hard because you've got no control over that. You know, you all you have control over is showing up and being prepared, and then the rest is up to the fates. So, do you, in some form or fashion, like now it's been some time since you've 
actually been that. But does that celebrity kind of ambiance follow you wherever you go, especially like now or is that pretty much taking a back seat? Yeah, I think the show was so significant. Both Entourage and the OC were so significant. It's really left a mark in people's um, core memories because it happened during, you know, times of people would be in college. They'd all come together and watch it. And um, and uh, so it, it's significant. I think my character played a significant role in people's... I, I played the girl who was sort of the outcast, but like confident, but wasn't going to go with what everyone else was doing, but was like kind and like quirky. And I think a lot of people relate to that because not everyone fits in. And so it, it, to answer your question, I think it's more character driven than quote unquote celebrity driven. But I've always appreciated when people come up and said, hey, I like I really like your character. Or, you know, that that's why we do it. Right. That's why we act for, to give value to, uh, you know, other people's experiences so that they don't feel alone, maybe so that they can relate to the character or be inspired by or absolutely hate the character even, you know. So it, it's nice when you get feedback like that. And that part of life for you is is make believe, right? I mean, because you're acting. And so it's sort of like that make believe persona, if you will. So at what point would you say in your career was like this moment that you had like this aha moment for you? Like, was there like a learning experience or something that you may have gained from that that was really a life changing experience for you? Uh, um, in terms of shifting towards like a realization because sometimes like when you're in it right mm -hmm. like we were just talking about being yeah. a celebrity okay. and then you're yeah in actually th that's funny you say that because there was a life-changing moment when I realized that the acting wasn't just between action and cut and that um that a large part of that industry was acting you would have to act in your everyday life and I, I I don't like that feeling I like being authentic I like being real I like when people are real with me and um there's sort of this song and dance that's required often out there maybe in many jobs I don't know you know uh but yeah that's that's the the disingenuine aspect of it was that that was a that was a punch to the stomach but I was like wow the it's not just between action and cut I have to pretend to like these people on set. <laughs> I know it's really hard to do. You know, it's interesting because like, you know, I used to watch Oprah and and I think when Oprah turned 50 or whatever, she said, <laughs> um, you know, that's when she had her first aha moment, yeah. right? About what what's the purpose in someone's mm. life or what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. And so sometimes it just takes, like it doesn't matter where you are and yeah. what you're doing in your life. Yeah, sure. You come to a certain point where mm -hmm. you say, okay, mm -hmm. this is my purpose. Right, right. So for you, where, yeah. you know, purpose. have you found that? Yes. Purpose. Sure. I'm, um, so the purpose is being of service. And um, that directly relates to this run for, for mayor. Um, that was a freeing moment because I always thought my purpose was supposed to be to get an academy award <laughs> you know, that's my, from this young i'm gonna be that's my purpose but as it turns out that's very fleeting and and you know not necessarily fulfilling and um but to be of service to others um frees you and emboldens you in a way that can take carry you through life that um, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that to be of service is a primary purpose for for human beings to grow, to um, expand, um, to create community. Um, I found myself when I discovered I, I didn't have to be in self any longer. 
by way of being of service to others. I think that's an important transition in someone's life because I remember I would always question what is my purpose? Right. How do you like when Oprah said you have to be of service, right? I didn't get it. I'm yeah. like, I don't understand yeah. what that means. Yes. Yeah. But then I think certain things happen in your life that you begin to it begins yeah. to unravel, yes. like what that means. Yeah. And it's different for other people. Mm-hmm. But it sort of comes down to the same point. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, and and it and it's a journey, right? And sometimes it takes that sort of dark night of the soul to get there. Um, they call it often the de- the gift of desperation, um, when you want to know so badly um, what you're meant to be doing, and you are so intoxicated by your own self that you couldn't be further away from it. You know, I just want to get as far away from self as possible, but you're just so consumed. Um, and I think that's the process of coming into adulthood in, in many ways and maturing. Um, and then of course, having a child is like a whole other, you know, <laughs> being of service thing. Wow. But yeah, that, that's a, a beautiful point. I've actually learned a lot from, uh, um, Oprah's show as well. <laughs> She taught, well, I remember when I first moved out to Los Angeles, I'd, I'd watch it often. And one of the things she said was, you know, when you meet someone, ask them about themselves. Uh, notice something about them and ask about them. Don't make it about you. And, you know, again, it's about being of service to others, not being so self-consumed and um, self-important and self-grandized. And um, so, yeah, that's sort of a, a, a thesis that I, I operate from. I try to. You know, it's interesting. I think some people um, are oblivious to their life path, right? Like things, lessons that are learned. Sometimes people just don't learn those lessons, but it's actually just set up along the way. They're just like little bird seed. That they are. Like, kind of like That's follow, exactly right? what it is. Yes. So yes. for you, what were those bird seeds that you had to follow to get you to where you are today? A lot of pain and discomfort. <laughs> think a lot of bashing my head on a table um you know i i'm i um i like to discover um especially by way of um my own path and that can be challenging because you get a lot of scrapes and bruises along the way um but you learn through wisdom of the experience what what is important what that metric is to keep you on whatever that path is supposed to be i don't know if i'm i'm speaking too esoteric or not but um you know, I, I, I went through um, self-discovery in many regards through darkness um, and found the light. And in that light, um, you know, I, I, I think there's little more importance than family and community. And especially in what's going on in our world right now. Um, and how divisive it's gone. And, 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 my, and, you know, like, I'll be the first to admit, like, I, I, I went harsh, um, uh, championing for my belief system and at the same time um, uh, pointing the finger at a different belief system as if that was not the right way and then saying, how dare you say mine isn't the right way and, and realizing like, wow, the, the middle path is the right way. It's neither mine nor yours. It's the acceptance of all of ours. And, and, I, and we used to have that. We used to have that and it was so lovely, you know, and I, I pray we can get back to that. And, and it's funny because I speak to that quite a bit, but it, it, what I have said in the past has triggered people to a point of not being able to look past that. And that's unfortunate. And that's something I have to deal with. I have to live with the repercussions of that. Um, 
but it's a process, you know, and, and, and one thing that I have learned along the way is that even when the tunnel seems to be completely black and perhaps even a dead end, there always is a light at the end. Yes. So, yeah, that's beautifully said. I love that. I want to read, um, if I could see it, I'm going to have my glasses over here, but I just want to read a quote that you said, because I think it's really pertinent to what we're talking about. Um, you said, it's really a scary thing having your dreams come true and seeing everything you ever wanted happening, getting the attention for it, and that not knowing how to handle yeah. it properly. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about yes. that. Yes, well, you know, in, in particular, I think a lot of our education process or um, uh, social development is the aspiration of getting there. Here's what you're going to do to get there. But there's not a lot of consideration for, and here's how you maintain it. <laughs> and here's how you conduct yourself in the process once you've had it. Um, and, and I'm not sure why. And even in acting, um, they tell you how to get that feeling forward, but they never really explain how to put it away. And and so I think uh, maybe that's just trial and error and, and having a good support system. Um, because even our, what our vets go through, you know, they teach our military to be warriors and don't really take into consideration what happens when they come home. Um, and that's historically been the way it's been for quite a while. But I think that 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 goes across the board for many of our occupations, whether it be um, any sort of athletics, uh, professional athlete athletes probably experience that as well, because there is a sort of uh, uh chapter that ends at some point. Um, but that's where really the, um, what is it? The, the rubber meets the road. That's when we become human because the rest is all fun and games, you right. know, we're just shooting for the stars. And then it's like, now what? Um, and without that path that's been in your for forefront of your mind for your, you know, your entire young childhood or young adulthood, um, that's uh, uncharted territory. And that's when the character that we develop as young people has to really come forward and give direction yeah. appropriately. Yeah. And you just mentioned a warrior. So I want to kind of transition for a second sure. into uh, you are a samurai warrior. Yes. And I love that yeah. um, because it teaches you other things. So it's not just so much right. the movements of a sword yeah. or however that is, but yes. it also teaches you um, things that you can use in your life, right? You're absolutely right. So what are those things? You know, it's funny. People seem to know that. So I've been training in traditional Japanese battlefield training since I was five years old. And so many people would say to me, well, it's so great. You're going to learn so many different things. And I said, I, well, I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm learning how to fight on a battlefield, you know? And then as it turns out, wow, they were so right. Like as I grew up into my, um, awakening um uh, you know I, i've i had a ten they, they've called they have what's called um life preserving sword um and and life killing sword right and life preserving and i was always like you well we gotta kill we gotta you know defeat and um defend and and actually like there's a consciousness that you can operate from which um you know you don't need to even go in battle Right. You know, right. and that that's uh, that's been a lesson that's taken even now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's like, OK, grasshopper, yeah, you get yeah, it, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have to fight everything. Um, it's a process. How do you let, you know, this has been so how long have you been 
actually the candidate part of being mayor. So it's yeah. been March, March that you started. March. Yeah. How did how have you and that mm -hmm. training, let's yeah. say the warrior training in yes. you, because the warrior in you yeah. is definitely like making you get to a certain point. Yes, yes, yes. So how yeah. is the warrior actually helping you let things roll off your back? Yes. Yeah, so the warrior on top of Hollywood, right, because I've become accustomed to people saying nasty things and making up stories and um, and um I'm I'm sorry. Uh, wait, I can't lost track of what I was. Um, um, sorry, there's mice in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, can you repeat the question? Yeah, I'm we're sorry. gonna let the okay. mice go okay. away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can pick wait, back can up we, again. Can we help you? Are you guys cool? Okay. <laughs> Are we good here? <laughs> okay. right. We have a team of people. <laughs> So um, I think what I asked you was the warrior that oh, we were just oh, talking campaign. about, right? right. Okay. And then how having that since March, yeah. right? Yeah. How has that taught you to let certain things roll, roll. off your back? Um, how has the warrior taught me to let things roll off my back? Only because let me define that a little bit more too, because as you're running for candidate, yeah. and we've talked about this, yes. is that basically people are going to have opinions. Yes. They're going yeah. to, you know. Yes. Yeah. Say things that we don't right. even know. It's both positive and negative. Right. But even the negativity, yes. you know, because sure. I'm sure, you know, people will say that, oh, she's an experience. She yeah. hasn't done anything. How exactly could she run for that. mayor? Yeah. You're an actress. Yeah. What does so, she know? Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you know? You haven't yeah. lived here. You know, you're going to get whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, you know in, in Hollywood, they they I had a manager who would say, if you believe the good press, then you have to believe the bad press. So I try to keep out of all uh, perceptions of what people may have of me. I am not going to be a mayor for everyone in that. I mean, I'll be if I'll be, I'll be everyone's mayor. <laughs> but I, I um, some people are going to really like what I have to say. And some people are going to really like what my opponent's going to have to say. And that's how we define how we're going to vote. Um, and so I can't be everything to everyone. And I fully understand that I can appreciate and value everyone's perception and input. And I, I seek to do that. Um, but I, 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 I pride myself in not being anything other than I am. Um, so when people meet me and they don't like me, that it's good. It's good that they that they won't be duped into believing I'm something other than I and than I am. Um, so I think it's a positive. I can't win everyone over, um, and I I think I think there's freedom in that um, because I can only be myself. Right, and that's where the authenticity comes in. And that's what you were talking about earlier, that that's who you want to be. You want to be that authentic person. Yeah. And it's yes. really important. You're absolutely right. That is that. very important to me. It, it really is because there's there's so much going on right now, especially um, in that we just got to keep our feet grounded and we got to be real and we, we got to, you know, I think one of the things I would like to be as a quote unquote leader in the community, if I get that opportunity, is to be able to withstand the hits because um, there's something to be said about accepting people's perceptions and opinions that 
aren't in conjunction with who you are, but still valuing that they have their own perception. And once we get to a place where we can be cool again, you know, like we don't agree on a lot and that's fine. I still really like you, you know, and right. I, I think that could make for a cohesive community. And so there's elements of, you know, there's layers to what's going on. There's sort of the social community, the social construct of our community. And then there's the quality of life construct of our community and the policy driven aspects of our community. And we have to, as, as much as possible, my, my platform is about balance. I, I don't want it to be black or white. You know, I, I want to work across, um, reach across the aisle and whatever aisle that is and be like, how do we do this together? Right. And I think what's really interesting, we're just talking about authenticity and being authentic, right? But it's almost like the opposite of that is in politics, how do you actually be authentic in politics? Yeah. Because the two yeah. almost don't even meld right. together. Right. You're, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, well, there's a perception of how politics is supposed to operate. And I think instinctively people are sick of it. And, um, you know, like you're supposed to look like this. You're supposed to have this much uh, experience and you're supposed to. But look where that's gotten us. And I think many people resonate with that, that there's a bit of a discord. Um, but the do we really want a po politician? Do we really want a politician? Does, have you heard anyone say, <laughs> I really want a politician? You know, no, we want someone that that we can see ourselves in and who we can relate to or um, who it can hear us and who is one of us. And um, so I just keep using that as my, you know, I definitely feel the pressure like, oh, you should look like this. You should say this. Um, and not necessarily, it's a, it's a consciousness. It's not necessarily from individuals, although people have suggested I dress a certain way. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think with me, you're going to get what you're going to get, you know, and, and I, 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 I love acting, but I refuse to do it in my normal life. No, I think I think what you're saying is really interesting. And I and I love that. And just in the short time you and I are talking, I really feel that you're authentic and you're honest. And that's how you want to to move forward. You know, when you look at the big picture of things and not that you're, you know, Obama being president. But, you know, even in, during that certain time, yeah. you have you have people like that that talk a game mm -hmm. about what they want people to hear. Right. right but right, then the minute right. they get into office, it yeah, changes. Right. And it's not it's not necessarily because they don't right. want that to happen. Right, right, they right. can't it's the allow it to happen, politics. right? Absolutely. So thinking moving forward, yeah. right? Like um after November eleventh, yeah. you're mayor. Yeah. And what happens in that particular moment where all the things that you talked about that you wanted to do, yeah. you realize that you you can't do it. What happens Why then? Why does that happen? Why is that, why is that going to happen? Why can't I do it? No, no, no. I, I, I hear what you're saying. No, and I love you know, that. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. love that. But in, um, in all reality, right, there's right. things that are probably going to be able to happen. Sure, but sure. But then there's things that you're not going to be able to absolutely. control. I, and, and, you know, that's why we all have to be very careful about, like, promises that I promise. It, but, but, I, but my intention is to represent exactly what I'm talking about right now, bringing quality of life back for our community between businesses, residents, and tourism because tourists right now I've heard people in uptown say had I known Sedona was this junkie I wouldn't have even stopped and that's not 
that is not the reputation we should have. There's no reason for that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know being a singular individual on a council of seven that I might get a majority in terms of policy votes and that would reflect what I've been campaigning on. I don't know if I can get that done in two years, but I certainly can represent it while I'm in there. Um, and hopefully work with the others because they're, you know, it's like a Venn diagram, you know, we're all these little circles, but there are moments of collision that we agree on things. So hopefully at the beginning of the year, when the city council sets the priorities that we can come together and say, this is what the community is saying, and this is what they really want. And if they voted for me in a majority, that means they really, really want it, right? That, that means they're ready for change. They're ready for a shift in the trajectory of where we're heading. They don't like the way things have been going. So we need to scrap the priorities that have been in occupation for the last eight years and and set the tone for what really seems to be on people's minds. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting is, and I and I love this, it's that when you have fresh eyes fresh looking eyes. Yes. at something, right? Yes. It yeah. changes the perspective yes. of like what things need to the be done. The modus operandus. Yes. My foot is funny. My put it down. Oh stop tapping. Got it. Okay. <laughs> The mice are telling you yeah, to stop. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Maybe see, this is what happens when I wear shoes. Too noisy. Okay, there we go. Um, um, what, what were we? Um, what did I say to you? Um, <laughs> what What was that? It what was, was a good saying? one too. It was a good one. <laughs> oh, no, new eyes. New yes, eyes. Fresh yes. Fresh new eyes on yes. things. Um, like looking at. Yes. Let me just ask yes. that again. So then that way. It's, sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah. Basically, what I love about all of this is that you come from a perspective and you're looking at things with fresh eyes. So how like how do you think your perception could change the way that people are constantly looking at things here? Um, so I think I think I have a unique perception in that I was raised here. I saw what it was like 28 years ago. Uh, 25 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, I, I, I've been here in and out the entire time. My family's lived this experience. I understand how things have uh, ebbed and flowed within the economy of the, of the nation with, you know, how, how that has affected our tourism industry, uh, the housing crisis that we're in. Um, and, and yet I have not been embedded into the modus operandi of how we've operated. And I think that's the um, special um, nuance of having you, new eyes, but also having a template to base what what we've been through. So it's not like I'm a complete outsider. I'm an outsider to the way that things have been done. So I can look at things and be like, well, maybe we should try that here. Maybe that doesn't the, that doesn't work for the community here. Um, versus, you know, the pressures of um, just the nature of operating within a box um, and sort of it's often like a safety zone. Um, and I don't have that box yet, you know, so um, I think I could bring a lot to the to the way things are. I want to see metrics, I want to see data, I want to see uh, if we're going to have if we're going to have goals, we have to determine are these goals effective now for the future? Does it make sense for the money for the cost? Is this going to affect our community and the children and our elders and our businesses? I, I want to bring all of that to the table. And I I've been 
uh, to enough council meetings and in enough uh, budget meetings, whether it be the chamber or um, or the city, to understand now, okay, there's some questions that aren't being asked. You know, at first I was like, are there meetings beforehand? And it's like, no, this is it. I'm like, okay, there's some questions that aren't being asked or are not being considered. And part of that, I think, is that the nature of the council is very specific into the individuals that are on it because it doesn't pay anything. Um, it requires some time. So if you're operating a business that, you know, do you have the time to go and do that? Um, if you have a young family, do you have the time to go and do that? Um, and so you kind of get an element of, uh, you know, 65 to 85 years old uh, individuals. And then, you know, nobody, wa I mean, uh, I shouldn't say, I think my politician, my, my politician, my opponent really wants to be, I was going to say, nobody wants to be a politician, but I, I do not <laughs> agree with that statement. I think there are a lot of people who want to be politicians. Um, but I think, you know, for, for a diverse uh, and unique individuals, we need balance across the board. We don't need uh, to be saturated with one um, demographic. And right now, I, I genuinely feel that's the case. And you find that because majority of the time, the council votes seven in, in unison. And it, it should, I don't think it should be like that. I, 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 there needs to be diversity of consciousness. I'm going to throw something out at you because I've really been thinking about this and I've also been participating in this these films that are talking about over-tourism for the oh, last three weeks. Yeah. And what's interesting was in a film that I just watched, um, somebody had asked, "Can um, who controls tourism, right? Mm -hmm. Or like who's the one that can change it or yeah. who controls it? And the answer was nobody. Right. There is nobody in charge yeah. of tourism, right? right? right like you right. can't lock your, your place yeah. so that nobody comes in here. And it's just it's yeah. just the nature of the beast, that, yes. the way it's happened. Yeah. Traffic is another one mm -hmm. that basically we're not in control. We're not necessarily in control of traffic. Right. So the way that the city is basically or people are talking about we need this, we need, you know, no more traffic, we, you know, we, yeah. you know subsidize everything. We're right. not like, this is not what we want. But it's not really the reality yes. of like the situation. See, you should be on council. <laughs> <laughs> I just need one more job. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But what I, what I believe in that we really need to work on is the economic development of our town. Mm. Because what happens, and, and think about this yeah. for a second, and I'm sure you have, yeah. But what happens one day, like to just say, like, you know, we experienced yes. COVID, but COVID actually Help. brought people right. here, right? But if it was the other way yes. and nobody shows up Absolutely. here, right? it's a yeah. detriment to our, yes. our town. Yes. So, you know, you have Cottonwood that's mm -hmm. working with wineries mm -hmm. and even the wineries are looking at distribution mm -hmm. across the country. So their wine is getting out. So it's a business, yes. right? Yes. And then you have Camp Verde that's agriculture mm -hmm. and you know, they're looking at barley and and making craft beer and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so they're yeah, yeah. creating they, industries, absolutely. right? And Cottonwood used to not even have an industry. Correct. And so now Sedona is in competition with an industry in terms of workers that we never had before. They were willing to come up here and drive and work for our tourism industry. Now we're in direct competition with them. And I think, and I've said this before, but the gift of desperation, when you're desperate, you know, creative in in, in ideas and ingenuity 
come to the forefront out of need. And I think we are reaching that threshold. Um, but you're absolutely right in that we need to be open to considering other elements other than strictly tourism. And I, you know, I, I'm nervous to say that because when you say we need other industries other than tourism, that means automatically just by nature of how narrative works, you're against tourism. I am not against tourism. Correct. I'm very much for tourism. I think you, we, these small businesses that we have in town, they, they live and die on tourism. Um, but we need to be flexible and creative with what else can we bring in. And you've mentioned a couple times the film industry. That was something that we had long time ago. Um, the tech industry is something now that we can have um, um, at our fingertips if we have the right infrastructure in terms of uh, 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 fiber optics and, and bandwidth and whatnot. Um, and these are things that I think my belief is when you create a community. So, so right now there's a bit of discord, right? There's a discord in the way, oh, the chamber was doing this. The city was doing this. The tourism's doing this. And everyone hates each other. You know, it's <laughs> like everyone else's fault. Um, we need to mend that discord. We need to come back to a place where we're all on the same team. And then in doing so, utilize the money from tourism to really benefit the community. So the community is not up in arms over tourism anymore. And we're seeing the, the fruit of the labor of tourism that we suffer through from time to time, which is, again, time to time. It's not year round. Um, and once we experience like, wow, the, we're really being nurtured by tourism's sales tax. Um, and then uh, we become a, a drawing point and a, a, in terms of law of attraction, we, come, we become a focal point for people who want to move here for the quality of life. And they want to build roots here and they want to bring their industry with them. And they wanna, I've met so many young, well, I say young, I'm 41, but young, uh, my age, um, uh, families, uh, husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends who have left the city because they can work remotely, whether it be on social media or they're a writer or they're a professor online and they're building their roots here. And, and that's that's where that turning point for economic development is going to come. There have been so many unique businesses that entrepreneurs have sprung up in the last two years um, because Sedona is a wealth of uh, opportunity, possibility. It, you know, you think it, you can see it. I used to experience that quite a bit in Los Angeles. Not so much has gotten more complicated out there, but it used to be in Los Angeles, you could be a writer, you could be a clothing designer, you could, you know, create, you know, a new drink. And that's really what we're, what we have here. And so we have to operate in a way, and this is part of, you know, one of my platform pieces is that as a city, as city government, I would like to look at policies and regulations that would make it easier or walk back to make it easier for businesses to thrive. That is vital to our success. I heard a story from an engineer in the Verde Valley who said years ago, he would go to Prescott all the time for schooling. And he watched Prescott implode because they're very much like, no, we're not going to build that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But while it was imploding, uh, the valley around it, Prescott Valley, was was thriving. And so, you know, we have to consciously approach development, of course, and we don't want to just knock everything down and build up and more dense and whatnot. But to be open to thoughtful, conscious business, which there 
are here. I mean, that's that's an, such a beautiful element in Sedona is that consciousness is actually a focal point of what we're all doing. We're all aspiring to grow. I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't make a brash generalization of everyone in Sedona. Maybe not we're all. But for a large part of the community, it's about healing, it's about self-awareness, it's about doing things differently with consciousness. I mean, even look where we are right now. Of course, we can't say where we are. But <laughs> but this was a conscious, this was a conscious yeah. development. It was thoughtfully laid out. It took into consideration the land, the neighbors around it. And and that's what we should do while approaching um, this economic diversity. And I think it is so possible. Mm -hmm. I agree with you with that. I also, you mentioned young people, you know, and bringing in more young people, which I know that you have um, pretty much immersed yourself into the youth and the community here. Mm -hmm. um, and even during the primaries, the mm -hmm. election, a lot of young people came out to vote, mm -hmm. which we really haven't seen in quite right? some time, yes. which is really exciting. So I feel yeah. like that you're infiltrating you yes. know, that and affecting younger people as well, which is, which is amazing. Um, and also, I, I want to ask this question because um, I personally have started looking at um, other cities mm -hmm. around the nation as far as their uh, government, how the government mm -hmm. is run, and also their chamber of commerce mm -hmm. and how the silos mm -hmm. are a little bit different than what we have here. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, and I'll give you this example that I found is in a town of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, they were having issues finding teachers mm. to come um, teach at the schools, and they weren't quality teachers, right? So they were at a loss as far as how are they going to bring in um, teaching for their mm. students. So basically, they found a grant, um, and they're working with area colleges to initiate uh, teachers to come into, into the schools. Mm -hmm. So it was a clever way, I believe, and that was actually done through the Chamber of Commerce, and so I thought it was a very clever way to solve a problem, right? Yeah. And it was something that I learned about that, you know, even here, mm -hmm. you know, trying to find teachers yeah. for our schools and yeah, that we, kind of thing. Right. So in that investigation and mm -hmm. that research, have yeah. you like spent any time looking at other cities and how they might adjust to tourism or traffic yes, or anything and, like that. In, in particular, the short-term rentals and whatnot, um, and how other cities have dealt with uh, inability to cap or regulate. Um, there's a place, uh, well, in Vail, Vail indeed, they have a deed restricting uh, process for housing. That was more. So my approach, people, people are like, oh, she's she doesn't want big government. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm very much pro private industry thriving. Um, and I feel like when government gets their hands in things, they're not the experts They're not their that it's not their expertise in, in terms of like this vast generalization of like micromanaging everything. I want to give as much opportunity to private industry to make those decisions for them. And they'll know if they're successful because they're, they're going to fail and they're going to crash and burn or it's going to thrive. Um, so yes, I have looked towards other cities. You, you mentioned the chamber. Um, and I, I'm really excited about you know, this mending potential, because as I mentioned, there, there's obviously a, a historically some discord going on there. There's some new leadership in the chamber, and I'm really excited. I, I think the two women now who are who are at the top, I, I, I have so much confidence in them because they genuinely feel to me to be authentic, to be um, 
it's important. Leadership is important because whether or not you can nail someone on a lie, you can feel it. And our community is very intuitive. So there we are at a pivotal point in that um, we can utilize things that traditionally we would have sort of thumbed our nose up at and the chamber being one of them. Um, and whether it be, you know, the chamber goes its own way or um, uh, it becomes a DMO separately and whatever that looks like, um, we're in really good shape to move forward and be open to ideas. When you don't trust people, you won't hear their good ideas. And I think we have the ability, we are at the point right now where we, you know, I've, I've, I've called the city council out on a, a couple of things that they've done that I disagree with. And um, the, the most upsetting part is when you, you say, hey, this is what you did and they deny it. Kathy Consuela, I have to give her so much credit. She, there was a situation, we disagreed on something and she said, you know what? We were wrong about that. Oh my gosh. If I could, I'd vote for her right now, even though I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with everything she votes on. I think there's nothing more integral to a community than people who are willing to admit their own um, humanity. And that builds so much trust and faith in a community. And that's when those creative ideas can come forward because we don't have to agree, but we have to be truthful and honest. Right. But it also it talks about communication. There has to be communication. And if you're honest with the communication of, of why, like if you say, you know, like if you told your child, no, you can't do that. Right. And they don't know why. Yeah. And you don't yeah. explain why. Yes. They never know what that is. Yes. But the minute you yeah. explain why. Yes. So yeah. it's sort of like we're talking to children yeah. in so many different ways. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, talk, I'm not sure if that's the, the, the line I want to take out of here. We're talking, talking to, to the community is like talking to children. No, we're talking to children. No, but, but I think but I think what you, you probably mean also is like having the patience and, and the the genuine care to care that that child understands what you're saying. I think, um, and just with people in general, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, another thing too, you know, when you, you know, move into a role like mayor, for example, let's say that you have six other people who mm -hmm. are not going to agree with you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes policy may be really difficult and it's mm -hmm. not going to go your way mm -hmm. only because it's the same old, same old, same yes. old, right? Yeah. How are you personally going to handle that? Like a throw tantrum or <laughs> like, I no, mean, because you yeah. like it's two years. Yes. So yeah. how are you going to be able to adjust to I, that? I, I'm really hoping at the beginning of the year, as I said, the priorities get set and that we're at least on the same page. And so, you know, when I look at the council, it's like that person really likes this that's their pet project. That's their pet interest. That's their, so when we know what we're really about, then it's like, it, it's not personal, right? It, it, it's just, this is what I represent. And if we can't come to agreements, if I get slammed down every single time on, on you know, that's just the way it is. But the good news is I have the community behind me who feels the same way. We're supposed to be acting on behalf of the community. I think one thing that's really important that is that we have transparency and accountability. And I think we need to know exactly how the council votes. There needs to be a complete uh, uh, data collecting of that and, and that it's very legible. Down at the Capitol, they have something, it's called the RTS system, where the community, the residents of, of Arizona can... Um, uh, basically, uh, sign up for a, um, a, what's the word, uh, account. And when legislature votes on something, uh, 
as a resident of Arizona, you can the night before or the week before vote your interest. And of course, that doesn't actually change necessarily what the legislators will be voting on, but they'll know how their constituents feel about it. We need to be hearing the voice of not just the squeaky wheel, but the entire community, if possible. So that would be a really good, if we could have a system like that, simple software, and you know, how many people, oh, this many people is not just like a, a survey that goes out to 500 people, but this is the policy we're going to be voting on. The news puts it out, the newspaper puts it out, you know, weekly or whenever ahead of time so that there's, and they do, but people People don't often read it um, so that they the community knows they have the opportunity to be heard, not just three minutes, but ahead of time. And then a metric that determines exactly how each council member votes so that we know, do we want this council member back? Do Is this the council member we go and talk to? Why did you vote this way? You know, because it, not everyone could watch three hours of council meetings. They're like, yeah, it's open, an open meeting, but it's also like, I have a life, you know, <laughs> is what I hear people say, because I don't. So, <laughs> um, Which is another good point as yeah. far as the length of the council meetings. Right, right, you know? right. So um, I do want to ask um, another uh, question about, you had made a comment. Um, you know, first you, you kind of said, and this is sort of like, I feel like for you, it's take charge, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you said it is a time to take back our lives, our rights, our freedoms. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a pretty strong statement yeah. too, as far yes. as like what that means. Yeah. Yeah. So, t so it is strong in that these are our God-given rights. I believe, you know, as Americans, people come here from all over the world. Uh, they, they migrate here for freedom. And that is something, you know, our language has gotten sort of uh, negotiated um, and, and words have meanings to some people that doesn't have to other people. One thing we have to maintain, otherwise we lose the ethos of what America is supposed to be, the land of the free. Um, we have to hold that at the forefront of our minds and remember what that means. That means that it's up to you to decide your fate, your future, your health, your freedom. Um, and if you don't like that, then, you know, then there's always Venezuela, you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, I, I ultimately... I don't think Venezuela is a good no. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, you want to be told how to live your life. There are other countries. But the thing is, you know, this goes back to everything that we were talking about at the beginning of this whole, whole session is like, our journey is so personal to our own experience. I don't believe that seven people or a, a mayor should determine how you should live your life um, in terms of what you need to put inside of your body or um, how you need to behave or where you're allowed to go or what you're allowed to say. That's that's my journey from my experience. This is your journey for you. And we, we figure that out through the bumping up against things that are painful along the way. Um, and if you take that away and you become too authoritarian, uh, so to speak, um, then you you rob people of their own human experience and journey. And, and that's what I mean by that. It, you know, I, I don't believe that anyone other than myself has a better guide for where I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be going other than my higher power. That's between me and my higher power. Um, but certainly, you know, uh, in terms of government, I think it, 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 it I've never seen anything or heard anyone say, wow, the government did it great this time. They knocked it out of the park. You know, you just, it's just not the way the government 
operates. Um, it's still on its own learning curve. Um, so to give up authority to one's own personal freedoms to the government is not is incongruent with what I believe that we were that we fought for uh, to become Americans. Right. Why, Mayor? Great. Um, we, I don't believe we have time to, I don't have four years to shift a directory. <laughs> I mean, why do you want to do, you know, yeah. why do you want to do this? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay, you know, yeah. that's, that's what I mean. So why is, I heard why mayor and why not council. But no, no, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So why mayor? Yeah. Why? Mayor, because you were talking um, about a journey. Yeah. So, so. I, I came back, um, I came back to Sedona. I heard my community really upset. Um, they are upset with the quality of life. Many people were saying, if it keeps going this way, I'm going to have to leave. I was really curious as to why I started looking into the policy and a lot of the policy was incongruent with fluidity of thriving um, and whether that be the international building codes or what's going on at the ED, uh, auxiliary dwelling units or guest houses or you know there's all these micro micro um, aggressions in terms of um, uh, policies that sort of just like a punch to the stomach taking your wind out here and there um people in the community have tried to make things for the community and they sort of get shut down things are overcomplicated. um and so when i found out there were four seats available including mayor um coming up this was last year i went out looking and i went looking for respectable individuals who had experience in politics and local government and nobody wanted to do it and um, the only person that wanted to do it seemed to be the one who's been doing it for the last eight years and was heading us down this path um i was really troubled by that i i was really i i, I must say i was disappointed that nobody wanted to do it you know but yeah, i heard things like i had mentioned that you know i have a business i don't want to get bullied i don't want to lose my my uh my clientele I, I i can't i can't risk it and there's a there's a lot of that it's a it's a complex um dynamic to run for something because especially in this contentious time of our experience human experience in america and i really had nothing left to lose i cared deeply about our community i had i had left los angeles i have a child this is why i moved here and people kept saying why don't you do it and i thought well that's probably the stupidest thing i've ever heard why would i um but, you know, as it turns out in this, this story that you shared with me, you know, Sedona sort of tells you where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. And I was in this unique uh, opportunity, this um, space where I have family to support and help me with my child. I care, share common values with my core um, uh, community in that we believe that Sedona can be something very special and needs to be kept sacred and not overdeveloped. And I have the... I guess spine and backbone to withstand the narratives and the and you know the people who aren't going to like what I'm saying or what I'm doing or going to hate me because I wore a t-shirt back in 2020 whatever it is I can I can take it and I think that has a lot to do with how I was raised and just the fortuitous of timing of what, this moment that we're in right now and do you feel like that you could initiate change in Sedona I think I already have I think I have already initiated that and in, in, in that regard I feel quite successful. And you know, because it's I'm not I'm not necessarily outcome oriented. I I'm um oriented in creating the wave that we will perpetuate us back onto the right path. So whether it's me in office in two years or you know, for the next two years, or it's just me getting everyone really riled up right now to wake up and see what's going on out here, you know, I've, I've done my job either way. And is there one word that you can use to describe how you're feeling right right now? 
the word comes to mind is is, is hopeful, um, you know, which is a really nice place to be because um, the opposite of that would be bleak. And, <laughs> and I think that many of us have felt that in the last two years. Um, and I feel hopeful in the aspect of unity. And that that's, that gives me butterflies because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty indignant about things and I'm very opinionated. But ultimately, I love meeting someone on common ground who I don't share many interests in, but we care about community. We care about being together in this moment and um, not letting uh, divisiveness take over. I, I just, I love that. That speaks to me. And I think that's possible here. We are in a unique environment that Sedona is special. It, it's built on vortexes. It's, it's got rich history. It's got very unique individuals moving here, fleeing cities, um, but deep roots of community. And I see the possibility of where we can head and, and, and with or without me, we're going to head there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> this much. This has been amazing. Yeah, it's been great getting to know you and um, just to hear your thoughts and um, really understanding where you're coming from. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for joining us and meet your candidate. And I'm so glad to be here with the Sedona Red Rock News. I'm Carol Kahn, and thank you for joining us. <laughs>